Hi, and welcome to this month's episode of Engineering Greatness, an original podcast series produced by the American Cochrane Institute. My name is Bruno Fong Martinez, and I work as a Cochrane engineer at Keywood in Denver, Colorado. With me today is Catherine. Hi, I'm Catherine Lucero. I'm a civil engineer at the Bureau of Reclamation in Denver, Colorado. Hey, Catherine. Thanks for joining me today. So um, why don't we get started and just talk about our, our paths into civil engineering. Um, yeah, why don't you go first? You know, what, what inspired you to study civil engineering? Uh, it's probably the most like boring story ever because both of my parents are civil engineers. Wow. So I just, yeah, um, my dad is like uh, an environmental engineer and then my mom is like more of a structural engineer. So I think even when I was little, I just like knew I wanted to be a civil engineer, even though I didn't really know what that meant. So you're, um, you're from New Mexico. Uh, I grew up in California, but my family's from New Mexico. So, yeah. Um, uh, so I made it, I guess, into being a civil engineer. Um, what about you? How'd you get started? Uh, well, when you said it was going to be boring, I thought it was going to, cause it was going to be the same as mine when be based around Legos. I wrote my, my college essay or my civil engineering essay on Legos. And I, I really, you know, when I got to college, I kind of realized that everyone wrote the rest about Legos and was like that. Um, but it was more, um, or just when I was little. Uh, I had a, a real affinity for seeing progress, gradual progress in, in say, construction is a good example for that. So just seeing something being built little by little, uh, that was something that really appealed to me. And uh, I remember when I was a kid, I, I, I went on this field trip and I learned about this, um, this sort of hobby of building like a little pyramid out of toothpicks. And it was going to be like this giant pyramid and like, you know, thousands of toothpicks. And I went home after the the trip and I started doing it in my, in my living room or whatever, and, uh, quit after maybe a few weeks or something, but it was just that idea of, uh, of, of building something piece by piece and let it progress. Um, and you know, that only got, got magnified with, uh, with Legos and so on. So a lot of that, my parents were accountants and that was the opposite. Uh, I, I wanted to stay away from accounting as much as possible. So. Uh, building stuff seemed kind of fine. Uh, I had a, a cousin who was an architect. And so at first I thought I, I wanted to be, you know, an architect because that seemed like building, uh, related to building. And then, uh, but it wasn't until later that I realized how art heavy architecture is and really detached from engineering, unfortunately. And I realized that my mindset was also very much engineering focused. I was very process oriented, you know, like step one, two, three, ABC, optimize whatever process you're doing. So when I combined the building side with the engineering mindset, uh, civil engineering was, was a, a pretty easy choice, I think. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. You talk about like, you know, trying one thing and it not really working out and then kind of getting into civil engineering from there. Like even within civil engineering, when I was an undergrad, I went to the University of New Mexico and I worked for the uh, USGS there in Albuquerque. And I really thought I wanted to do like water resources engineering and, you know, that sort of path. And I, I really enjoyed my job there. But um, once I took that concrete class, I was hooked. So <laughs> it, it definitely changed my trajectory kind of in there, but it was still within civil engineering. Um, but um, I also think it's it's interesting that you said that the architecture was too artistic or too artsy, I guess. Um, 
because I, I think my favorite thing about concrete is that it is kind of creative. Like, you know, like there's not just one formulation for a concrete mixture. There's not just like a one size fits all for like anything um, with concrete and what it can do architecturally as well. So I think that's um, kind of a fun part of the job is, is just kind of having to think kind of uh, creatively in how you approach a problem. Yeah, I agree. And I'll, I'll go into it more detail later, but I describe it as, as a puzzle, like concrete to me is a puzzle. And, uh, there is a very artistic and some ways non, non-scientific side to it. Uh, yeah. so that's a lot of fun to explore. So where did you go to undergrad? I don't think I know. So, and, and I asked about New Mexico because I remember, I remember you and M and I myself, uh, I'm from Las Cruces in New Mexico. Um, but for, but I ended up going to Cornell for, for undergrad. So that was, and you know, like, I don't think anybody goes to undergrad thinking they're going to be a concrete engineer because I don't think I knew what, I don't think I knew the difference between cement and concrete as an undergrad at Cornell until I took my, my first concrete class. Um, so I just, I was over there as a, as a civil engineering undergrad, um, big move going from New Mexico to, to upstate New York. But, uh, but it was there that I took uh, Ken Ober's classes. And so that was just an eye-opening experience. And I, I could fill the, the whole podcast hour just talking about him and, and his, his influence in his classes. But uh, it was really from him that I got the concrete bar. Nice. And then after that, you went to UT? To yeah. So um, I, did, uh, I started my concrete classes junior year of undergrad. And then I did, uh, basically that, that's when I really, you know, I, I got the, the concrete bug, I got this interest and for the first time in my, in my academic career, I had, I had something that I, I specifically wanted to pursue. So then I, I looked for internships that were related to concrete. Um, and, and that's how, it count, that's how it evolved. And once I got time to be, uh, a senior and graduate, I had to make this decision of, you know, do I, do I work, do I go to grad school? Um, you probably went through the same and, uh, you know, grad school was, was a bit of a gamble because, uh, unfortunately the, the timing from when you get grad school decisions doesn't align with, uh, with, with the application time for full-time jobs, full-time jobs are in the fall grad school decisions came in the spring. So, you know, it's, it was basically, do I risk, you know, letting go of a job that I can get in the fall in order to maybe go to, go to grad school. Um, uh, but in the end I decided to do it just because of, of my interest in concrete. And then I ended up going to UT. Um, that was a very, very good choice, an easy choice, because my advisor in Texas, uh, uh, Kevin Foliard, got into concrete because of Ken Hover some 30 years ago. So that was a, a, an instant connection right there. But yeah. So in, how about yourself, uh, you know, being from New Mexico or being in UNM Albuquerque and then going all the way to Purdue? How did that happen? Um. Yeah, that was interesting because I think I literally Googled like grad school with <laughs> materials or like concrete materials. You found a pretty good one. Yeah, because I was I was noticing in my initial search for grad schools, like I knew I wanted to go to grad school. Yeah. Um, well, a lot you, of them. Did you know oh, that, oh, after I took my materials class, like I, I boy, boy, there was only junior, a junior. Okay. Yeah. So it's like they just have that class and I knew I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit more. And all like the senior level classes were more like structural. Did you ever try to do both, apply to jobs or grad school, or you were all in on grad 
I was all in on grad school. Okay. Yeah, I, I did an internship between um, because I needed something to do for a summer. I didn't yeah. want to just like sit around. But um, yeah, so looking for grad schools, I didn't want to do like a purely structural like design. I, I didn't want to like do structural design. Um, so finding a program that uh, had an emphasis like on cementitious materials um, and being like in the civil engineering department and not like in a material science department was like pretty important to me. Um, and yeah, no, I got I got very fortunate in um, working with uh, Dr. Jason Weiss at Purdue when he was there. And then, um, you know, I had a great time at Purdue. Uh, I learned a lot. Yeah, I mean, but, you were there. Yeah. It was a really, really good time too. Uh, I know yeah. a lot of a lot of uh, big corporate people uh, were were there during that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So still have some great lifelong friends. That's when I got introduced to ACI as well. So um, I think uh, it's coming up on ten years of being a member, uh, which is like, where does time go? But I think my first my first convention was uh, to present at one of the research and progress uh, sessions at reno so that was 2014 and so i think that's when i got my grad stewardship yeah as a grad okay. student yeah exactly and, I and in, first year. in undergrad did you were you doing anything culture related with professor uh taha is his same uh yeah so he was on sabbatical oh, okay. i wanted i wanted to work in his lab um my senior year but he was on sabbatical my senior year so yeah. he wasn't like hiring any undergrads um so that was kind of a bummer but uh no he was a he was a great professor and um yeah really was very passionate about concrete which is you know where I got it from I guess um and I might at UNM they didn't really have a whole lot of involvement with ACI you know like they didn't have a student chapter um it's a really small I think like my graduating class was like 20 people or something like that it really wasn't like a whole lot of people um and we had an ASCE chapter, so we did the steel bridge, and my senior year, we did the concrete canoe, um, but we certainly weren't very good at it. Um, <laughs> uh, like I said, the professor was like on sabbatical, so we were kind of like a little unsupervised when it came to um, what we were doing, and it was like our first year doing it in, I think, like 10 years or something like that, um, so, but it was fun. I mean... Kind of getting your hands dirty like trying to figure out concrete but yeah um yeah definitely i, I have some experience with that too because i was in steel bridge but uh before going into that I, w I was interested in asking uh so given that you knew that you wanted to go to grad school um did you know that you were going just for the masters or did you have intention of phd that that changed along the way yeah uh, i think that changed several times along the way um <laughs> At first, I was like, okay, I just want to get my master's and then like start working and then, you know, figure out what I want to do after that. But then after visiting some schools and like really seeing some of the programs and talking to professors and talking to other students, then I was kind of like a little bit more convinced about a PhD. But then I don't know. I was just like, I'm, I guess, like non committal or something. It's like a really long time to like commit to something, like yeah. an indeterminate amount of time. So I, um, I did like, uh, at Purdue, they had, they had like the program where you could do, um, masters with an option of PhD. Like you weren't like tied to your, your funding wasn't tied to the PhD for this particular fellowship. So, Got it. um, so I 
went that route. And then when it came time to um, decide, like for real, like after I defended my um, mm -hmm. master's thesis, uh, that was when Dr. Weiss was um, moving to Oregon State. Oh, yeah. So I guess it just kind of felt like a good time to just kind of like be done. You know, if I was going to make a move somewhere, like where did I want to make a move? Did I want to make move out here to Denver and start a job? Or did I want to like, it was definitely crossroads yeah. there. So um, uh, that's kind of how that happened. So um, what about you? Like, were you always so sort of wanting I, it, PhD? Um, so like I said, uh, when I was senior year, I was in between a job and grad school uh, because I, I was a king of the B minuses in undergrad. <laughs> I was not a prolific uh, academic. Also, just Cornell was really hard. Um, yeah. So grad school was never in my periphery. My goal was, you know, I, I got to Cornell from New Mexico. It was a huge deal. I just went, I was going to graduate, get a job and make my mom happy. And, you know, that was that. Uh, and then I found concrete and that's when it really upended things. And I, I had to come to terms like, okay, do I, do I go with the job, which may or may not involve concrete or go with grad school? And I did end up having to do a bunch of interviews in the fall, the fall of senior year. And I, I would go to these interviews and, you know, say, yeah, I want to work for you and this and that. And I had to, I had to reject some job offers, uh, hoping that the grad school thing were, would work out. Um, but I was also going in just as a master's because it was, it was very gradual, you know, baby steps, like even going for the master's was a big deal. I wasn't sure about that. Um, so it kind of started out as a master's. But after spending one year in Austin and, you know, like uh, getting along with my advisor, very enjoying the research, enjoying the lab, enjoying the city, and really not being in any rush to work, uh, all my friends went straight to working. I was like, you're working and you don't like it. Why, why would I want to do that? They, you know, had a, had a very flexible schedule. So, so I really enjoyed uh, my time in grad school and, and my advisor basically said, you know, you can stay uh, doing the same research project, just extend it. Uh, funding is here, the timeline's this, how does it sound? And uh, after a year, I decided uh, that it was a, a really good plan. Um, and just in general, for, for any listeners, I would say that it, uh, my, I guess, uh, my factors when choosing grad school, uh, I would put number one, uh, the advisor and the, the research focus. Um, specifically, like I said, uh, I, at UT, I work with Kevin Foliard who got into Congress because of Ken Hover. So that was an immediate connection, but also the, the research that he did was very practical focused. Uh, most of the funding came from the local DOT in Texas. So it was very much, you know, how can we make something and implement it in DOT projects that can be used readily? Uh, number two, and you touched on this too, is the is specialty of materials. So I only applied to, to universities that had a subspecialty for materials and didn't just clump it into structural, right? Maybe you did um, yeah, same, same thing. thing. Yep. And at the very end, when I was choosing a grad school, I was in between, coincidentally, Oregon State and UT. <laughs> so very small world. That was before I knew that Jason Wise was moving because um, I also applied to Purdue. But yeah, the, the few schools that had a concentration of materials that I remember were Texas, uh, Oregon State, Purdue, Illinois, um, was come to mind but uh but yeah it's that was that was a priority for me because i knew i was not a structural engineer i was a, i was a material engineer um other factors uh, number three is location um, being in austin was was very exciting like i said 
uh, Corvallis, Oregon would have been uh, like the other side of the country after being from New Mexico and going to Cornell on the East Coast and then going to Oregon on the West Coast. It, it was pretty far for me. So, so Texas seemed like a good, a good uh, uh, middle of the road location. And then I would say then the, the the factor number four, which potentially is the biggest one, was was funding. Right? Um, I had my grad school funded. I believe you did. You have funding as well. So yeah, that was that was a huge huge factor for me uh, doing combination of TA and, and RA. Yeah. So um, I don't think I actually know this, even though we've been friends for a couple of years. <laughs> How uh, when did you graduate and get your PhD? I did. Uh, um, Cornell was 2015, then my master's in Texas 2017, and then uh, uh, PhD 2020 in the middle of the pandemic during uh, really, really weird times, the summer of 2020, and that's uh, when I started working. So I moved to Denver in the, in the fall of 2020. Uh, yeah, things things were kind of weird back then. Yeah, yeah. I, that sounds like a challenge to try to wrap up your dissertation and everything. Like when you it, was, it was, it was. Uh, so I, I initially I was I was uh, scheduled for spring 2020, and then that got pushed because you know the world shut down, and it was a very interesting time because you know I was already supposed to be a, a shut in because I was supposed to be writing my dissertation, but now it was like it was like forced shut in. <laughs> so so yeah, that was uh, that was some some interesting times uh, writing the dissertation during quarantine in the uh, let's say what was it maybe. May, June, 2020. Yeah. Timeline. Yeah. You had no excuses you had to finish. <laughs> no other so, distractions. You, uh, you did, uh, you, you said you did internships during undergrad and then, uh, you did your master's and then started working right away at the bureau. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, so I worked at the USGS during undergrad. So I was like a student employee. Um, so I did that for three years. Um, and then, uh, and then I actually interned at the Bureau of Reclamation in the concrete lab that I work at now. So I interned there in between my bachelor's and master's. Um, and I thought that was kind of funny because I was just kind of slowly making my way like to Indiana from New Mexico, just kind of going up to Denver and then across. Um, and that was uh, another one of those just kind of random Googling of, you know, concrete labs. And so, you know, there's all these concrete labs around, um, kind of in like the Midwest and a lot of other big labs, um, on the coasts. And then there was this big lab in Denver. And so I already worked for the department of interior, so, um, I didn't want to do more paperwork. So I, <laughs> I thought that would be a good idea. Um, and so I applied for that. Um, turns out I did have to do more paperwork. More paperwork. Yeah. But, um, I know. And then, um, uh, so I did that internship and then when I was getting close to graduating, um, I reached out to my former mentor, um, Katie Bartajay, she's who I worked with, um, yeah. at Reclamation and asked her if they were hiring or if they were like planning on hiring and, um, they were, which is nice, but, uh, in the government, you know, it takes a really long time from opening up a posting to actually starting a job like the whole application process just kind of takes a while okay. so i got a little bit nervous you know because like i applied for it in i think like april mm -hmm. i defended in like may 
yeah. of like that, like a month later. And then uh, I, you know, didn't hear anything for like a couple of months. So I was like, oh my gosh, wow. I should be like jobless, like and not have any jobs. Um, Cause I had like turned down some other jobs as well. So um, you were actively applied to others as well? I was, uh, I wasn't really excited about them. There wasn't really a whole lot available at that time. Um, there was a lot of um, structural jobs. Yeah. Um, so I applied for some of those. And I was like really hoping, you know, some of the other big labs, you know, that they would have something open, but there was no job postings for that um, at the time that I was applying. Um, but yeah, I got I got lucky, and so I got, you know, selected for reclamation. So I didn't I didn't start until July, even you know, applying in April. Um, so it took a long time, and then I moved out to Denver, and I've been here since 2015, summer of 2015. So. Um, yeah, and been here at Reclamation that whole time. And yeah. that um, you touched on something that I, I saw as well is that uh, uh, by and large, you know, structural engineering is the big branch of, of civil. And so the the opportunities for concrete materials are, well, first of all, there's just not that many people specialize, specializing in it, and but there are also not that many opportunities. Um, so I did find it challenging. You know, the more, I, the more you specialize that, the harder it can be to find a job, right? Yeah. yeah. Hopefully that that changes in in future years. Yeah. There's some signs of progress, but yeah, hopefully it goes more in that direction as well. Um, when did oh yeah, when ahead. did you, when did you become an ACI national member in college or after? So at starting grad school, uh, my advisor was uh, very proactive with with uh, getting his students to to attend conventions. So that was a big that was a big push. I started, I, my first one was Denver fall 2015. I, I believe it was, uh, you were probably involved with the, the hosting. I was there. Yes. <laughs> it was and, exciting. And so that was my first one. Uh, and I remember it just being such an eye opening experience and, you know, like seeing all these people and, you know, and seeing the Oregon people that I had just visited, that was a lot of fun. Um, and since then I've just kind of, I've, I got to go a bunch of times for uh, for pre pre presenting my research, uh, and, and even now in industry, it's it's invaluable the networking. Uh, in fact, uh, I met my boss for my current job at an ACI convention in, in Vegas, 2018, uh, and I met him there and I talked to him, and that's that's how this this job kind of came about. Uh, so yeah, so the networking aspect has been been huge. Uh, at Texas, uh, I was involved in. A sort of revival of the student chapter of ACI uh, that was very successful for any, a few years. We brought many undergrads to compete in the student competitions. That was uh, probably one of the highlights of my of my grad school career. Um, and then in I was also involved with the, the local Central Texas chapter. And now that I'm in Denver, I've become involved with the Rocky Mountain chapter and uh, recently um, joined the, the board of directors for for the local chapter. So. Yeah, ACI, ACI everywhere, and I know likewise for you, right? When were your president? Yeah, the, the Rocky Mountain chapter. Oh, I think I was the president in like 2021, so I didn't really have to do anything. I just had to host some virtual things. It was not yeah. <laughs> not really a normal time to be a president of something, but um, I mean, I think that's also like kind of a testament to, to how important it is to be involved with your local chapter. Though, is um, you know, you might not always have the opportunity to go to convention every single year That's or twice true. a year or whatever it is. But, um, you know, you still get a network and connect with people in the local chapter. And I think being involved in the local chapter has 
has really helped um, grow my network. And like, you know, you can always kind of like know someone or, you know, someone would know someone who's in the chapter who you could talk to. Yeah. Uh, about and it helps. Thing, so. It helps having that, those connections locally, because, you know, people at national convention, maybe, maybe you see them twice a year, whereas the local chapter, maybe you see them once a month. So. Right. Yeah. And they have a, a good idea of like what is going on in the local, just like, like community of concrete, like what kind of materials we have available here. Whereas like, you know, if we talk to someone from ACI National, they might have a different experience with like a, a certain issue or something like that. Um, like, so yeah, I, 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 after being president of the Rocky Mountain chapter of ACI, I continued to be involved with that. Um, and so, um, whether it's on committees or otherwise just kind of going to meetings that I, I would like to prioritize that a little bit more um, as well. So. Gotcha. And so what, uh, what kind of uh, interesting things are you seeing at work? Um, do you get involved in much research specific things? Um, yeah. So we, do some research here at the labs. Um, and then we also do a lot of like project work, um, write a lot of concrete specifications for new construction. Um, but I think kind of the same with, with everyone, uh, just like the, the lack of availability of fly ash is, is still kind of like hitting a lot of places and, you know, some regions are, are more affected by it than others and so reclamation works in the western united states so we definitely um see more natural pozzolans being submitted um for acceptance and um so we, we've been doing like some research just like seeing how uh those materials perform long term things like that so um yeah, and then like a lot of right now, a lot of uh, modifications to dams and other like water infrastructures to try to increase capacity. So you know some um, reservoir enlargements, you know raising a dam or something like that. So some really interesting opportunities to um, get to do some very unique testing. Can you walk me through like uh, your uh, typical day? Well, I... <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like every day is different. So um, let's see what today was. Um, today was a lab day. So we were doing some concrete uh, trial batches for a project. They're doing um, a modification to a dam and they have a lot of like mass concrete. And so we're doing like a government furnished mixture. Um, so we have some mixes that have inch and a half concrete uh maximum size aggregate concrete and some with three inch maximum size aggregate. Um, so today we did some trial batches for that and then, you know, did some, uh, you know, reporting and stuff on the computer. And then now I'm here. So, um, uh, there is definitely a big mix of being in the lab. I do like to have hands on, like run my own tests. Uh, I like to do that even though I maybe should delegate a little bit more, but, uh, yeah. So I, I think that's one of the, my favorite parts about the job is that I kind of have control over like what I get to do. I'm not just like always in front of the computer only looking at the data, but I get to actually make concrete and mortar and all that kind of stuff on a regular basis. Yeah. Like you never left grad school. 
it is like I never left grad school because if I get paid more, so <laughs> so it is nice. It's nicer that way. Um, yeah. So what like what do you do at at Qit? So I, I would say that I would describe our role as uh, like a concrete wizard would be the simplest way to describe it. Uh, you know, all Qit's uh, a general contractor with operations across North America and lots of structure projects, and they all use concrete to some extent. And so um, they, they come to us with any questions, you know, ideally they come to us early and we can sort of plan proactively for, for any major risks related to concrete. Um, sometimes it's more reactive. It's like something already went wrong and it's, uh, you know, now we're the fire department and we have to put out all these fires. Um, so there's, there's a lot of variety in those, in those terms of, of what we do, cause it could encompass anything. Um, you know, for the most part, concrete is pretty pretty sturdy so most of the time it comes out right you know it, it hits 3,000 4,000 psi uh, but we really get involved when things get a little more interesting when you know you just you didn't get the strength you wanted the concrete got too hot it got too cold um, it didn't set or set too fast uh, the cover's too low too high there's cracking here this or that uh, a lot of that uh, is pretty pretty interesting what we do um, and so in some ways I, I like it because it, it all, it's very dynamic. There's, there's kind of like a, a detective work part to it, part detective, part wizard. And, you know, the projects come to us trying to solve their problems and we kind of have to figure out, you know, what's available, how do we fix it and, and so on. So yeah, some of that. That's cool. Are you on site a lot or? I go, I go to site, I go to, I visit concrete labs and that's, that's how I get my fix of concrete labs. Uh, Typically, I, I, I go to these industry labs because we don't have our own lab, but I do, I spend, you know, I spend weeks in, in labs in Michigan, Minnesota, California, and uh, I'm over there and basically I'm present while they do the mixed trial process, right? So what, what you did today, I would be there as a sort of like a, a observer, but also getting getting my hands dirty just because I, I can't get away from the concrete. Uh, yeah, it's so just that, so tempting. You gotta get your shovel in. <laughs> well, the best part, especially coming from an academic background, is that I go to a lab, I spend a week there, and then somebody else does the testing, somebody else does the reporting, and so I just get an abundance of data. Right? I get, I get test reports, and then I do the analysis, but I don't get bogged down by the actual test, which I'm sure you know is is pretty time consuming. Someone's gotta break the cylinder someone's got to measure the mortar bars or whatever and all that uh takes takes quite a bit of time so Catherine, what what are some of the challenges you faced uh in your time in industry and and based on that what would be your advice to, to other young professionals coming into the industry i think one of the challenges i faced when i first started my career was uh i think i expected myself to know everything already um you know i just came out of school um, where you, you know, you learn a bunch and you think you kind of like know stuff. Um, and I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to just kind of like learn more, like know everything and all that kind of stuff. And, and now looking back on it, like I've learned so much in the past eight years, like there's no way that could have been condensed to like two, a two years masters. Right. You know, so like give yourself time, like you're you're learning every single day and just like absorb and learn and reach out to other people to learn new things um you know you're not going to know everything overnight um 
and you'll learn from experience because you know something will go wrong one time and you'll remember it um and so yeah i think that's my advice is just to kind of try to absorb and learn every single day kind of i agree i think that's key i think uh you know it's key to acknowledge what you don't know and try to learn about it right um because i i yeah, I, don't, I think there's a lot of people going to, maybe they get forced into fields that they're not familiar with, and then they pretend to know what they do. And it's like, no, it's, it's okay to say, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, what about you? What about your challenges you've faced? And yeah, so I think it? for me, something that's, you know, it's still a ongoing learning experience is uh, just the the resistance that I face uh, in, in challenging the status quo. Uh, you know, I came out of school, you know, with, you know, bright eyes and hopes of changing the world and all of that. And then you get hit by the wall of reality of like, this is the way construction is. This is the way concrete is. And especially again, with the engineering mindset, I always want to optimize things. And, you know, there's in, in, in engineering, there's multiple ways to reach an optimal design, but you always want to improve. And that's really not the way that the industry set up. The industry set up is just the way that somebody wrote it 30, 40 years ago, and nobody has wanted to change it ever since because they don't want to take the liability. Um, so I've I've faced a lot of resistance because I always want to I always want to ask and challenge like why do we do it this way? You know, can we do it better? Why is this requirement here? Why is this limitation here? And there's a lot of resistance to any kind of change. So I'm, I'm learning to pick my battles because I, I just can't win everything, uh, but I'm trying to change little by little and sort of exist in this, this realm of uh, academic and, and, and industry world. Um, so my, my advice to the young, young professionals would be first, you know, find your concrete. So for myself and, and make sure you Catherine, you know, I think concrete is going to be the, the rest of my professional career, my focus in one way or another. Um, so I, I, I really, you know, I, I would encourage uh, any any students to to find what they're passionate about, be it concrete or, or something else. That's something that I uh, try to help undergrads when I was mentoring them through through the ACI student chapter. And you know, and I I didn't expect them to go into concrete specifically, but I did was hoping that they would find you know that their interest in their respective area. Uh, so yeah, find your concrete and challenge everything because, like I said, you know, we got an engineering to to improve things. So it's, this doesn't have to be the way that it is. It's just little by little, small, small victories. Yeah. That's great advice to anyone. Find something that you're passionate about and stick with it. Thanks again for joining us. And thanks everyone for listening to this month's episode of engineering greatness. Join us each month as ACI pairs together young professionals in the concrete industry to engage in intimate conversations about their life and work. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for more information on the American Concrete Institute, visit us online at concrete.org, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>